we are uh, we are studying the first handbook, and we are talking about the various occasions in David's life. And this morning, I'd like to talk about the friendship that we see between David and John. Connection with our faith. 
fellowshipping in church, to spending time together as friends, we learn to rely on God's grace and blessings through friendships that are rooted and grounded in Jesus. The Bible provides a lot of insight into the value of companionship and fellowship with like-minded believers. Ephesians 4, verse 2 and 3 says that we are to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Proverbs 17, 17 helps us remember that a friend loves at all times. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4 about some of the friends and former friends <laughs> that he had in ministry. 2 Timothy 4, 9. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. Remember, he's writing to Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke, say only Luke. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Titius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas, and my scrolls, especially scrolls. Remember, Paul was writing to Timothy, and he's writing about some of their co-workers in the ministry. And he says something remarkable here about Luke. He says, only Luke is with you. Say only Luke. You can substitute your best friends Only Friendship and relationship are important to us, aren't they? We're not meant to live alone. We are meant to share this life. We're meant to walk this Christian life together. And we're taught that in many places in the scriptures. Friendship and relationships are topics of writing and speeches all through the years. Here are a few words of wisdom about friendship. The great writer C.S. Lewis writes, Is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends? Author and philosopher Albert Hubbard writes, a friend is someone who knows all about you and still loves you. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. Many people walk in and out of your life, but only true friends leave footprints in your heart. The great inventor and scientist Thomas Edison says, I have friends in overalls whose friendship I would not swap for the favor of the kings of the world, Thomas Edison. You all have listened on the radio through the years to the great Bible teacher, J. Vernon McGee. Remember through the Bible radio? Hopefully you've heard some of that great Bible expositor. He says there is a brotherhood within the body of believers, and the Lord Jesus Christ is their common denominator. Friendship and fellowship are the legal tender among believers. The 
great motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, says, if you go looking for a friend, you're going to find they're very sparse. If you go out to be a friend, you'll find them to be a friend. Orton Glasgow says, a true friend never gets in your way unless you have them all together. And then there's this one. It seems they have always been and always would be friends. Time to change is not bad. Thank you. 
parents we gain wisdom and courage to cultivate strong friendships that reflect a shared commitment, say shared commitment in doing God's will. Remember I said at the beginning, we're not meant to do this alone. God created us to be wired for friendship. Wired for friendship. And yet, and yet, sin breaks friendships and relationships. Sin breaks friendships and relationships. One thing we need to realize about our friendships is that sometimes we tend to respond sinfully but we do feel sinfully. And you know that I think one of the most powerful things we need to talk about in this last moment of months is living a life of forgiveness. Living a life of forgiveness. I'm telling you that a bedrock of true Christian friendships and relationships is forgiveness. Because relationships are among people. And people are flawed. And people are And I want to encourage you, listen, I want to encourage you that when that happens, the first thing that you think about is not retribution, but friendship. Can I help you say with you? Your friendship will be happy with both parties. Friendship will be amazingly healthy if both parties are living lifestyle and grace. Give me some grace. But y'all have to give grace to others every now and then. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We don't want to have superficial friendships. If we do, we'll constantly be frustrated with other people. And we'll hide from real friendships because we are cynical about the possibility that healthy, vibrant friendships can actually exist. What constitutes a true friendship? This is not an unspiritual or, or, this is not a bad question. The biblical writers devoted ample space to the subject of interpersonal relationships. A lot of what we read in the scripture is how to get along with one another. For example, you cannot read through the Proverbs without running across a treasure trove of wisdom for discovering and maintaining relationships with one another. Amen, true. For example, just one, Proverbs 27, 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from the heart of the house. We learn a lot about genuine friendship by observing friendships throughout the scriptures. In particular, this friendship between David and Jonathan shows us several truths which help us understand the nature of true godly friendship. You know, I'm going to take these down. This is good stuff. 
Father, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have, I have made known to you. For the most precious gifts that God would give you in this life is Christian faith. And Jesus modeled Jesus modeled Point two. A God-given friendship <coughs> builds the faith of both friends. A God-given friendship builds the faith of both friends. A godly relationship between believers brings with it the encouragement to keep and to grow the faith. And it brings accountability to the things of the Word of God. Conversations between friends in the Lord are uplifting. And because you are of like mind between Christians, talking about the things of the Lord should be common, should be normal. Accountability is a factor in these kind of relationships. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Say sharpens. We will note in an upcoming sermon and story about David's life that Jonathan called him out when David failed morally and sinned against man and God. Iron sharpens iron. Accountability is involved in relationships. It has to be because if, if you have a below-the-surface beyond acquaintance kind of relationship, you're going to see the best and the worst in that other person. And I trust in your friendships. You have permission to celebrate the best. And you have permission to call out the worst. A number of years ago, Promise keepers who were pulled then together all around this country. One of the cornerstone aspects of promise keepers was have some men around you to be accountable to. Iron sharpens iron. We're not meant to do this alone. Choose. He chose David. 
And he said to the prophet, the man of God, Samuel, go and prove, go to Jesse, that he's dead, and I will show you who the new king will be. We heard that story from our first session here. When the sons of Jesse, they parade in front of Samuel, saying, not this one. Nope, not this one. Well, this ain't the one either. Nope. Come to the end of the line. Samuel says, Jesse, is this it? Jesse goes, no, 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 no. Fetching, fetching from out on the hillside, from out on the sheep. In comes David, and immediately Saul recognized that this was the guy. This was the one. And thus started the adventure of David. Saul anointed him, or Samuel anointed him to be the king. Now I want you to understand something. David was going to be taking the place of King Saul. And this Jonathan that we're talking about. I want you to understand the dynamic here because it's really important in this particular aspect. After David defeated Goliath, we read the story, Saul drew jealous of David. Saul killed his thousands, David's tens of thousands. Nevertheless, David David became acquainted with Saul's family and forged a tight-knit friendship with Saul's son, and we could call him here Prince John. Prince John. As soon as he had finished speaking with Saul, the soul of Jonathan met the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. It was a bond that formed between these two men. King Saul decided that day that David should be a part of his operation moving forward, didn't he? He said, David, welcome back to the sheep. Welcome back to your dad. I want you to stay here. But I want you to see something really, really significant here. Jonathan removed the robe that was on him and gave it to David. He removed his armor and gave it to David. Prince Jonathan, he his sword and bow. Jonathan passed those over to David. So David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. Saul sent him over the men of war. This was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of the servants. He says, their souls were knit together, David and Jonathan. Jonathan made a covenant with David and demonstrated the reality of his promise by giving his robe, his armor, and his weapons to David. Those things, in, especially in that day, I want you to grasp this. Those things, especially in that day, were symbols of the calling of king. Prince Jonathan's symbols of his movement toward kingship 
Who was the natural successor to Saul? But when Jonathan made this covenant commitment friendship with David, one of the things that happened was he recognized the calling and anointing on David's life. And he took action. The kingship would very likely have been passed down to Jonathan. But Jonathan recognized the calling. He recognized the destiny in David's life. And he set his own ambitions aside. Oh, grab that tonight. He set his own ambitions aside. See, a godly, loving friend does that. He sets self aside. He sets self aside. Aside, recognizing what God is doing in the life of the other person. We are brothers and sisters. We are a family. We recognize what God is doing in others. And what is our role in that? Our role in that is to set ourselves aside and encourage and equip Others, according to what God is doing in their life. And then somebody is going to equip you because they recognize what God is doing in your life. We're not meant to do this alone. But this, this sacrifice of Jonathan is absolutely extraordinary. This is setting aside his probable ascension and putting it on David. Can you imagine? The only way we can imagine that is for us to try to come to some level of understanding of the commitment of friendship between Jonathan and David. That level of commitment of friendship. We're brothers and sisters. We're a family. Think about the language used to describe the church, the family, the body. If the church is a temple, then we are the bricks in it. If the church is a body, we are its members. If the church is a family, we have a place at the table. Therefore, Christians have every reason to pursue real and vital friendships because we share so much in common. It should be natural. Why? Because of our common ground in Jesus. I love that preachers say the ground is level. That's a good request. Number four, friendship shares a mutual affection. Mutual, shared affection. One of the foundations of a strong friendship is a shared affection between two people. Jonathan and David's friendship demonstrates this as evidenced by the language used to describe it. We don't spend a whole lot of time these days thinking about the nature of true friendship. In our social media-dominated age, we are so image-conscious that we think more about the impressions that we make than we think about genuine friends. If we're not careful, we will crack an image. 
intentionally only a, only a, for read a, 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 a handful of the verses of the story because if you read this whole story of the interaction between David and, and Saul, who was so dysfunctional and everything that happened in there is just kind of a mess. But because of Saul's jealousy, he began to have it out for David. He began to look for an opportunity to kill David. And, and Saul's own son, because of his commitment to his friend David, he put a plan together so that Dad couldn't kill his dad. It's a remarkable story. Kind of a messy, dysfunctional story. David didn't show up for dinner for two nights in a row. And Jonathan said to his dad, he allowed David to go to the feast. Saul responded by insulting Jonathan and calling for David to be killed to death. Jonathan asked his father why he wanted to kill David. And Saul responded by throwing a spear at Jonathan. Did I mention this in time? This Jonathan knew that his father was determined, so, so he went out into the field and he was able to fill David in on his father's murderous plan. He did that at great cost and danger to himself. Great friendship requires great sacrifice. He could have died as a result of his father's rage. But he stayed the course. They stayed the course. Oh, let's stop there for a second. Sometimes we have to stay the course. Sometimes we have to stay the course with our friends. Sometimes we have to walk through with them. Sometimes we have to endure difficult circumstances right alongside of the friends. Have you ever walked? difficult days with a good friend and felt like that tenderness was instead of being used as it was when they were able to love. Jonathan was incredibly committed to his friend David. Friendship will not survive for very long if each person needs to be separated. <coughs> Friendship will not survive very long if each person is unable to put aside their own preferences for the sake of the other. The traits that make a friendship flourish involve sacrifice because genuine friendship involves sacrificing time and resources and emotional energy and mind-leading preferences. It means getting to know people, making time to spend with them, Bearing with their failures. If you struggle to know how to be a friend, look at the Savior. Look at the Savior. He said, Greater love has no one than with this other person who laid down his life for a friend. He could say that this was a mark of a true friend because this is exactly what he was about to do for his disciples and for us. He was about to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave himself up for us. 
portion of the beginning. This psalm, which, which written by David, made its way into the prayers of the Jewish people and is still prayed today. It's still a prayer of praise. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good and wonderful to us today. That is the key to the Lord. against 
the door. I'm in your place. You raise me. You have become very good. You have become my salvation. Verse 22. Oh, awfully frequently quoted verse looking forward hundreds of years to Jesus. He says, He says, the stone, verse 22, that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done this very day. Lord, save us for grand success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, we join in the festival procession. Words of worship. Words of worship. Verse 48, you are my God, and I will praise you, you are my God, and I will exalt you. And he ends it the way he begins it. He ends it the way he begins it. Because that's the word. 